Well, good morning, everybody. We'll start today uh, like we do each week with uh, memory verses. If anybody's got Acts 10, 34, and 35 memorized. Looking at you, Miss Amy. No pressure. Um, kind of like this weekend. Yes, we got to stand. No, we can't. We're Baptists. We do things the same way each week. That's the way it works. It's in, the, it's, it's in First Opinions chapter 3. It's thou shalt do things the same way each week. So. All right, anybody else this morning? Acts 10, 34, and 35. Going once, going twice. All right, Miss Amy V. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness will be accepted by him. Absolutely. Which is great news for us, isn't it? It is great news for us. All right. So uh, today is week five of uh, things God cannot do. Um, and I had, uh, had an opportunity recently to speak on Sunday night. And uh, I actually taught the first lesson in this series. And somebody came up to me afterward and said, I don't know that you did a good job framing this as far as, you know, walking into what kind of boundaries we're putting on this. So, uh, and this person quoted Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen to me. At the very end of Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, There's nothing too hard for you. And this is Jeremiah talking to God. And, and I absolutely, totally agree. There is nothing too hard for God. But there are some things he chooses never to begin. There are some things he just says, I am not going to do that. I'm going to self-restrict or self-limit myself so that these are the things that I'm going to do. Um, and I tried to start thinking about an example of this. And, and for me, it, w- it came up as insurance. So it probably, I would say, everybody in the room has some type of insurance on them, whether it's insurance on your dwelling place or insurance on your person or insurance for your family's health. Uh, could be insurance for your vehicles. Could be, what else, what other kinds of insurance can you have? Pet, pet insurance, yes, there could be pet insurance. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Filter gym, filter gym. Yeah, okay. Um, what other kinds of insurance are there? Anything else? I don't know. Mortgage insurance. What does that cover? Your mortgage? If you uh, pays your mortgage. Okay, that's interesting. We should check into that. Renter's insurance. Yep, we've had to have that in the past. Um, and and in my mind, this these these restrictions that God places on Himself are God's way of saying, you don't have to have insurance on me. There's going to be some things you don't have to worry about. Um, and this concept that God is going to be consistent and stable and uh, certainly not predictable, I'm not going to go that far, but certainly he self-limits himself. I got to thinking about this concept quite a bit. Uh, and the, the first blank on your handout is today's truth, and really this whole series, allows trust to exist. It just fundamentally allows trust to exist. Because if God, the most powerful uh, agent in the universe, if God changed constantly, what could we trust? Right? We couldn't really trust anything. I mean, what, what if you woke up tomorrow morning and the laws of physics had adjusted? Not significantly, but just a little bit. Well, which ones, right? I mean, <laughs> it... it this could be problematic very, very quickly. Things would start, fundamental things would start to break down. What if, what if uh, the earth all started to shift just a little bit? I, I watched that movie, uh, uh, what's the one where the, the end of the world's coming and there's this big uh, 
2012, yes, thank you very much. That was a ridiculously awful description, and you helped me out. I appreciate that. Um, this movie, 2012, and the, the, they get the United States government in the air, and they're doing analysis on the world, and they said the, the uh, South Pole is now somewhere in Wisconsin. Going, man, that would mess with everything, wouldn't it, if the poles just shifted once a week, just to new random places, right? This, this is going to be problematic. Um, Apple would have to be much better about updates to the iPhone for the maps to work, so that's all I'm saying. Uh, but today's truth allows trust to exist. So, so far in this series, we've looked at uh, God can't forsake his own, uh, God cannot lie, uh, God can't leave things unfin- unfinished, God cannot fail, and, to de- and, and God cannot save without faith. And today, uh, we look at God cannot change. And, and in my mind, this is the, I almost started with this and then decided to end with it, because this is the, all the stuff that we've just talked about, is not going to be messed with. It's going to be consistent. It's going to be stable. So Hebrews 6.18, all these verses are in your notes today, I think. Uh, Hebrews 6.18, that by two immutable, this is our theological word for the day, immutable. It's a great word. Uh, the, the Greek word means not transposed, and that's a math term. Math, uh, transposed is just simply moving things around, switching things up. Uh, the blank is fixed. So that by two fixed things or unalterable things, uh, and this word here in this verse means uh, it's talking about two particular things that the, obviously the writer's talking about. It's impossible for God to lie. Uh, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And, and when you can lay hold on something, lay hold means to grab it with both hands. Uh, if I can lay hold, that was, thank you, perfect, Keith. Keith just laid hold on this chair. Now, why were you able to lay hold on that chair? He has hands, right. And because the chair is real, right? The chair is not imaginary. Um, if I have, uh, let, let's lay hold on love. How do, where, where do I? <laughs> yeah. did, did you hear what he said? Keith went, hmm. <laughs> He's like, where are we going with this one? Yeah, it, it, that's a concept. That's a concept. Uh, and when I think about to lay hold on hope, hope to me is a, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that I think about. But the scripture says, we have fled to God for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. He is the hope. He is a real thing. And because he is real, we can lay hold and we can um, have some, uh, some trust that exists in the universe. So this concept of uh, immutability, uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Did, did anybody have to learn a catechism growing up? Anybody learn catechisms growing up? Anybody know what a catechism is? Nobody had to, really, nobody had to learn a catechism? We have that? Lots of laughs back there, Dave. Anybody learn a catechism? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's several denominations that teach uh, uh, in a very question and answer sort of way. And that's what a catechism is it's a series of questions with defined, memorized answers that you should know this word for word. This is no... Um, so when you guys say the memory verses to me and you miss a word or you replace a word, I go, yep, there you go, great. Go get your book, go get your CD. No, no, not at catechism school. At catechism school, you get it right, and you get it right immediately. Otherwise, the knuckles with the ruler, and I mean, it's just it's not good. Um, however, this is a really good way to teach, especially young people, good theology in a very succinct way. 
Uh, and one of the questions on the Westminster Shorter Catechism, I think it's question number four, says, what is God? And the answer is God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and the blank is unchangeable. Unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So even, even very early on in this catechism where they're framing the concept of God and how things work fundamentally in the universe, this was important, this concept that God is going to be consistent, this concept that God is not going to change. Uh, now, if you read very far in the Old Testament, you will see that uh, it doesn't take long for God to actually change his mind, right? You get to Genesis 1, he creates everything. Genesis 2, uh, Adam and Eve hanging out. Genesis 3, there's sin. And then God adjusts his behavior based on some action of man. And you go, well, okay, so what part of God doesn't change? Well, that's the question that we're going to look at today. So what, what part of God doesn't change? Well, the first part is his word. His word. <clears throat> So Psalm 89, 34, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips, which is fantastic, because I do this almost every single day. Break a covenant or alter the words that have gone out of my lips. And, and most often, the way it happens at my house is uh, there was a rule that applied to the children that because of their creativity now needs to be modified. Uh, or because of my lack of foresight into the comprehensiveness of uh, what they can get into wasn't nearly robust or flexible enough for me to implement punishment. Okay? So give you an example. Uh, an example is we do commissions at our house. We don't do... Uh, chores, we don't do allowances. If you want money, you work. There is a direct correlation between doing work and receiving funds, which I hope to instill in both of my children because that's the way the real world works, or at least the way it ought to work. Um, <clears throat> so we'll, we'll leave it at that. So one of the things that we've done over time is that we started with a very, very basic, basic, basic checklist of Here's some things that if you want to accomplish these, we'll give you a nickel apiece for. This was back when we were poor. Uh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, was that the cheap comment? Yes, okay. Great. I just wanted to get that on the recording. There we go. I appreciate that. And, uh, and it was possible maybe for, for Anna Grace when she was three or four to earn maybe a dollar a week. Maybe. I mean, she did everything. Maybe like a dollar a week. Like, oh my gosh, I've got a dollar. This is fantastic. And uh, you know, this is 10 years ago. dollar meant a lot more back then, 10 years ago. And she could go and she could check these things off. And it was things like, uh, I picked up my toys. That's cool. Uh, I helped Mama today. I uh, cleaned my plate or I brought my plate over from the dinner table to the sink, those types of things. At the very bottom was a did it with a smile. Because we realized very quickly that this was important, that we didn't need just... Uh, wrote obedience, that we needed happy obedience, that we needed good attitudes as well. So over time, the rules have adjusted. There are uh, little notes at the bottom of the commission sheet now. Uh, Abby can attest to this. She's been in our house several times. Uh, one of them is if a spanking occurs, whatever you've done that day gets nullified. So there's a, there's a shutoff valve that eh, you do not pass go, you do not collect any money today. There is a uh, if you don't do anything this day, like if you just decide to take a day off, and we give them a day off, we let them choose which day of the week they wanted to have off, but if for those other six days of the week, 
if you decide not to do anything, you owe mama and daddy a dollar for each day. So there's some incentive to at least participate at some level in the building of our home and the, the development of their responsibility. So, so what we found, and I've kept because I'm a hoarder with files, uh, I have an ex- this is an Excel. You wouldn't expect it to be any other tool, right? So there's about eight different tabs in this Excel spreadsheet that I have, all the different versions from when Anna Grace was three or four all the way to the very robust, uh, you know, it takes us uh, like three minutes now to calculate up how much they made for the week because different jobs have different amounts and we've gone through lots of negotiations. Yeah, it's possible for them to make uh, 15, 18 bucks a week now, which they don't, but this is, this is the theoretical, right? So, so as I've gotten raises, they've gotten raises, which is good. So. Um, but the idea is I have to constantly stay on top of modifying the rules for this because I don't have the foresight to know how they're going to adjust to them. God has this amazing thing called... Uh, all knowledge. So he knows all of the variations that we're going to take toward all of the limitations he's put on us. So that allows him to make great rules up front that drive us toward behavior, toward relationship with him, as opposed to just checking things off. Does this make sense? So, so because of his knowledge, he's able to create boundaries for us that help us drive to him, which I think is just beautiful. So, so I will not alter the word that has gone out of my lips. I would love to be able to say that, that I could say this is the way it is and then stop speaking in this space. That's not the way it works. So that's something God can do. So he doesn't alter, uh, he doesn't change his word. Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. That's fantastic, right? It is fantastic. There's great hope that's, that comes from that. Matthew 24.35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will no means pass away. There's eternal constancy relative to his word, and it is, it is very, very good for us. And, and that's the title of this series, Things God Can't Do and Why That's Good for Us. And each one of these things is extremely beneficial for us. So that's the first thing, his word. The second thing is his existence and rule. His existence and rule, R-U-L-E. Um, and if you like his government, that's great because it's not going to change in four years. It doesn't work that way. We don't get elections. Uh, we don't get to switch out uh, who's in charge. He's in charge. He's been in charge. He's going to be in charge. That's the way this works. And that is extremely good for us. Uh, Psalm 102, uh, 26 and 27. They will perish, but you, God, will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment. Anybody ever had any clothes that grow old? That's just when they get good and comfortable. Um, I I read an article this weekend, and it said, a pair of khaki pants will be at their most comfortable two weeks before they completely disintegrate. (laughs) And I went, amen, that is somebody who has worn khaki pants. And, And clothes just wear out, right? And I have found that recently in my life, especially in the last five years, that my clothes don't actually wear out. They just keep shrinking. I mean, it's just... It's awful. It's like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, you know, three weeks ago, this shirt fit just fine. This shirt, it's, something's wrong with our dryer. I mean, we've replaced our dryer. We've replaced our washer. I just can't, can't get it to stop. Um, but they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you, you will change them, and they will be changed. 
but you are the same and your years will have no end. And that is great hope, right? That is great hope to know that the, the master and the maker of the universe that has done things right from the start will do things right until we have no mechanism wherewith to calculate where we are in the existence of time. He will continue to do the right thing. And that is extremely good for us. Um, Psalm 145.13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Think about that. Think about having an earthly ruler that would never change. Think about how bad that would be. Because over time, power corrupts, right? Except in the case of God. Power didn't corrupt him. He created power. It's in his, it's under his dominion. It says, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. His existence and rule will never change. He's always going to be around. He's always going to be in charge. These are great things for us. The next category is his character. His character. So look at his righteousness first. Psalm 119, 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And your law is truth. Uh, Julie and I watch several TV shows, and we like to watch movies together. And one of the things that drives me nuts is that when a character will start off, and you're really sure that this is the good guy, right? You're really sure this is the good guy. And then you do a few episodes, or maybe 20 or 30 minutes into the movie, and you're going, you know, I'm, I'm kind of waffling on this guy. I'm, I'm not sure. He's... You know, they're starting to play this ominous music and he's got this weird look when the camera flashes to him. And I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking they're trying to communicate this is a bad guy. And what really drives me nuts is at the last second of a movie, you realize, oh, it's all switcheroo. This guy's been the bad guy the whole time. He's really just fantastically awful. And, and it just messes with your whole concept of, well, you've just drugged me through. You've lied to me this whole time, right? They've lied to me and, and made me pay for it and then called it entertainment. And that's just aggravating because it just it jerks you around. But God has always been the hero of the story. He's always going to be the hero of the story. He's always on, uh, right is always on his side. I'm not going to say he's on the right side. Uh, and there's no, there's no flip-flopping. Uh, you know, if, if he was running up against somebody else for a political office, nobody would be able to go, well, back here you took this position on this issue and now you're taking this position on this issue. Nope, always been the same. Next. I, I would love to see a debate with God and somebody, right? I mean, just because he's just going to go all Job chapter 39 on them and ask them questions that nobody can answer. And uh, it'd be fantastic. All right, that was my rabbit trail for the day. <clears throat> wakeful. I like this word, wakeful. God is wakeful. So Romans 6, 9, and 10, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. That is beautiful. Right? That is absolutely beautiful because the entire Old Testament is filled with animals getting slaughtered. And then in the next week, you had to kill more. And then the next week, you had to kill more. And depending on what time of the year, you, you did food offerings or animal offerings. And you just, you just kept having to do this. Jesus comes, he dies once, and he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. He's not dying again. Psalm 121.4. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. So he's not going to die, and he's not going to sleep. 
Because if you're all-powerful, why do you need to rest? He has all power. So rest is not a uh, sleeping to rejuvenate is not a concept. I'm going to scratch that. He does need to rest because he demonstrates to us that he needs to rest. But the sleeping in order to rest does not apply to him, which to me is amazing, right? I mean, how do you, how do you just not need sleep? We had fight night at our house last night. <clears throat> I put my head on the pillow about 2 a.m. Uh, I'm a little tired this morning, and I might take a nap, which is, uh, Julie's giving me that look, um, which in Jim speak is I will take at least a three-hour nap this afternoon. Um, Caleb likes to watch the UFC because he doesn't stay up all night and watch the fights. So he and I will start watching when we get home from lunch. And uh, in five to ten minutes, I'll be asleep, and he'll watch the rest of the fights. And that's our Sunday afternoon. It's beautiful. Works out wonderfully for both of us. Quality time, father, son. Uh, and yeah, it was pretty sad, actually. Uh, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He doesn't need rest. He's all-powerful. He doesn't need uh, sleep because he's all-powerful. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? So he's not going to die. He's not going to go to sleep. And he doesn't get tired. Really? That's amazing. That's just who he is. And that's not going to change. It's beautiful. He is always wakeful. He is merciful and compassionate. Lamentations 3.22. Through the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Uh, Open your Bibles up real quick, those of you that have uh, scriptures with you, and go to Lamentations 3.22. I want to talk about some words here for a second. Anybody know what the Hebrew word for mercies is there? It's my favorite word in the entire Old Testament. That might give you a hint. Anybody got a guess? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It is Hesed. Absolutely. C H E D E C H E S E D. Hesed. It's the mercies. It's the loving kindness. It's the um, that pursuing love. Um, in uh, some scholars think it's actually the theme of the old, entire Old Testament because Israel just goes away and goes away and goes away and God chases them down and chases them down and chases them down. Um, the surely goodness and mercy that will follow you all the days of your life, that's the hesed. That's the, it's going to track you down. Uh, you cannot escape from it. Children of God cannot escape from it. Uh, so through the Lord's mercies, what does your translation say? Anything else there? Great love. I like that. What else? What's that? Loving kindness. Loving kindness. That's how it's translated the most often in the Old Testament. What else we got? Anything else? So the next part of the phrase, next part of the verse, we are not consumed, but because his compassions, this is the Hebrew word rakam, um, his compassions fail not. This is the word, and this is, so I'm going to be honest, I can't relate to this word. Um, this is the word of a mother's cherishing of a child in the womb. So, moms, how did you feel during that experience about that child in the womb? Was there some level of cherishing? Show of hands. Yes. Hey, good. Most of you raised your hands. That's, I won't call names. Um, but there's some relationship there, 
And that's what this is reflecting, um, which is fantastic because Lamentations was written by who? Who wrote Lamentations? A dude. Okay? So he saw some woman cherishing the child. It's visible. This is visible love, right? So the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions. What word do you have for compassions? Anybody else? Yes, Jeremiah did write Lamentations. Thank you. Um, Most of us want to say Solomon because it's kind of in that area of the Bible. It's not. It's it's Jeremiah. Uh, What other word do you have for uh, compassions? Compassions? Yeah, compassions. Got compassions. What was it? Mercies. Mercies, yep. Some translations will double up the word there. It's actually a different word, but it's uh, that concept that that I'm here, I'm engaged, I care about this, uh, and that's what God does. This mercy and this compassion is not going to fail. And then his faithfulness, which I think kind of sums up everything else. The 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Well, that's nice because I get a great big F on this one every single day. Because at some point, I'm going to go, uh, I don't know that I trust God in that. And he's faithful. It's beautiful. Uh, I have in my notes in uh, brackets here, caulk. This is the, it fills in, you knew I was going to talk about caulk, right? I've got to talk about caulk. That's the way this works. I almost had a, a tube of caulk on every table, but I was too lazy yesterday and get out and go get it. So, um, <clears throat> He cannot deny himself. He, this is who he is, which is actually the last category. Uh, which in that, that blank that's kind of just hanging out there by itself, himself. Himself. So what doesn't change? Well, God himself doesn't change. Um, James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The, the word variation and shadow of turning are both uh, physics words that describe the turn of the planets in motion. The variation is the, the phase or the orbit. So the orbit remains the same. We're not getting out of orbit. And the shadow of turning is the revolution. So neither the orbit nor the revolution is occurring here with who God is. He's not waffling all over. Uh, this is the, the ancients actually called the planets the wandering stars because they could see them moving around in the heavens, but their pattern was really strange. And well, that, that must mean the gods are, are influencing them, and so we should worship them because there's some pattern to it, but it's really hard to understand, so it's just craziness. Um, but there's no variation. There's no shadow of turning with God and who he is. Uh, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I, I looked this up in the Greek, and it's really an interesting word for the same because it's not the word for the same. It's the word for himself. And literally, the verse reads, Jesus Christ is himself yesterday, today, and forever. And I went, that's really cool, because I don't want Jesus trying to be somebody else. Jesus is awesome. (laughs) Jesus is Jesus, and that is good for us, uh, that he is not chasing after somebody else. Because I I spend probably more time than I should trying to be like or be somebody else and imitating them. And Jesus has no one to imitate, because he is above all, he is first, uh, it is beautiful. Yesterday, today, and forever. So all of the yesterdays, all of the todays, all the forevers. And then Malachi 3.6, right? I mean, you can't, can't teach this lesson without Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I do not change, right? 
So if there was ever a verse that said, God doesn't change, this is it. Uh, and the beautiful part about this verse is I think it sums up the entire series because right after I do not change, here's the good part for us. Therefore, you are not consumed. Yes. And, and the qualifier, O sons of Jacob. Right? So it's the, there's things that God doesn't do, there's a benefit for us, and there's a restriction for to whom it applies. And all of these things, this God doesn't fail, God doesn't leave us alone, God doesn't lie, God doesn't change, these are benefits for the believer. And these things all condemn and damn the unsaved. Because, because of the fact that God doesn't change, that means he's not going to change salvation and let a whole bunch of people in at the last second, Rob Bell. It's not going to work that way. <laughs> Sorry, it's not going to work that way. It's not going to work that way. He set these rules. This is the way it's going to work. It is what it is. And, and these are great things for us, and it condemns the unbeliever. Scary as all get out. Malachi 3.6 is the whole series right there. For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed. So why is this good for us? Because we are not consumed, right? I don't like being consumed. I'm going to vote no on being consumed. <laughs> Team Jesus, right? Uh, it's fantastic. You know, if the, most, if the most powerful agent in the universe changed, we would be consumed. The sheer imbalance of it alone would kill us. We couldn't withstand it. We couldn't withstand it. So what's the point? All right. So number one, God is the universal constant. God is the universal constant. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I read an article where they were discovering element number 117 or 118. Anybody read articles like this? I read articles on just tons and tons of different stuff. It's ridiculous. Uh, anybody know which number it was, 117 or 118? It existed for like 160th of a millisecond, which there's a term for that, but I didn't know how to pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. Like an extremely small amount of time. They bombard different elements with different things, and it creates this element for just a split second, and then it's gone. I'm like, well, that's kind of sneaky. Hang around for a sec. Get to know us, you know. Let us talk to you. It, it, nothing. It's just boom, and it's gone. And it's the exact opposite. I, I remember when I was reading that article, I was thinking, that's the exact opposite of God. You know, it's not just boom, he's here for a second, and then he's gone. He's the universal constant. You know, it's all that stuff Einstein was looking for that he plugged in numbers that he didn't understand. It's God. That's the answer. Uh, and then number two, God's holiness and immutability work together for good for us forever. It doesn't ever stop working together for good for us. It never stops. So what do we do about that? Well, enjoy the freedom that results from constancy. That is a real word, by the way. Constancy. Uh, it's because Microsoft Word said it was a real word. That's how I know it's a word. There's no squiggly red or green. Uh, enjoy the freedom that results from constancy. And then number two, praise him for his immutability. If you want to use a fancy word in your prayers today, thank you, God, for your immutability. And if you mispronounce it, that's okay. He's not holding that against you. So that's the uh, things God cannot do. Uh, I put together maybe 50 different verses that I wanted to look at going through this series. There's at least a half a dozen other, other lessons in this series, and maybe we'll do those in a few years. But... There's more to come on this because there's more stuff that God restricts himself on and it's good for us. So next week, <clears throat> next week we start a verse-by-verse verse through the book of Titus. It's a letter from Paul to a guy named... Hey, you guys are already ahead. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and as I have done for a little while now, when we go... Uh, yeah, you read ahead, right? <laughs> uh, when we go verse-by-verse uh, verse through a book, I like to get commentaries and give those out. So 
I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight today. Uh, so there are three conditions to getting a commentary. Uh, one is you have to read the portion of the commentary that we're going to be talking about in Sunday school that week. That's one. Two, you have to find something that you think is meaningful in that passage. And some of the passages are like, look at me. Some of the passages are this long, and some of the passages might be five to ten pages a week. So it varies. And then three, you have to email that to me. So we both benefit here because I get the benefit of reading all these works, and I don't have to read all these works. So it works out really, really well. Um, and you get the benefit of being engaged in Bible study in a more intimate way. And some of you will get the benefit of me going, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Because uh, sometimes that happens. Commentators write really stupid things. Like Barclay wrote, uh, he went on for 15 pages in the introduction about how he didn't think Paul actually wrote this letter. And I went, yeah, that's crazy. So these guys write stupid stuff sometimes, and that's okay, because none of us have it all tied up neat and together. Uh, so if you'd like a commentary, they will be up here. Uh, I have... Uh, John Phillips, Ironside, Barclay, the Life Application Bible Commentary, John Calvin, uh, Platt, Wearsby, uh, so a variety there. Uh, so if you'd like one, you want to engage in that, you can come up after the prayer time and do this. We'll set the start time at 9.50. How about that? That way Albert doesn't run up and get Platt before everybody else because I know that's what he wants to do. So uh, I appreciate you coming this morning at your tables. Did I not call it? Did I not call it? Okay, all right, come on. <laughs> He's like drooling over here, I can see it. Uh, so at your tables is a piece of paper. Please write your prayer request down on that and make sure everybody's name that was at a table today uh, gets put on there. And if uh, we actually have two tables that need to move today, so. Yep, she stuck her tongue at me just for the record, so that it's on the podcast forever and ever. Amen, yes. Uh, so pray as a table, and you are dismissed, and at 9.50 we'll start the book giveaway. So thanks for coming today, guys.